glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. John chapter, John chapter 4, it's a familiar passage of scripture. This is where we'll be tonight. Uh, last night it talked about, if you remember, we talked about the answer of faith, the answer of faith. And tonight I want to, if you, if you like a title, uh, the title that I'll give you is simply this, the work of faith, the work of faith. And um, you, you say, well, Brother Daniel, you're going to speak about faith. I, I believe that's really the core of the Christian life is, is, a, is a walk and a life of faith. Okay, it begins with faith and it ends with faith. And uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, that's what the Bible says. And so if we're going to please God, if we're going to accomplish what God has in our life, it's going to have to be through faith. And my goal is really to take you, and I'm sharing with you some of the things that God has done for me, not so that I can say, look at me because I'm really special or something like that, but I want to challenge you just like I did last night. Listen, I'm not a great singer, okay? But, you know, God can still use people that aren't great singers. You know, I'm not a great, uh, you know, I, I know you may think that I'm a great speaker. I don't think I am. And I, I, wa- and let me just, I wanted to share something with you. It's a funny story, but it's the truth, okay, just to help you understand. You know, my children get up here, and they're, you're saying, well, you know, are your children shy? Yeah, well, they come by it honestly, okay, because their dad, well, their dad, when he was growing up in church, uh, I remember uh, it was there in Ghent, New York, and they, they would, it was a little country church, and they, they wanted all the children to come up and sing, okay? And I'll tell you, Daniel Norton did not want to come up and sing. And it wasn't because I didn't want to sing, you know, serve the Lord. It was just I was scared to death to get up in front of there. And it, it was an old, that church was an old Dutch Reformed church, okay? And they still had those old pews. As a matter of fact, when we first started being there, they still had the boxes. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of those old churches, and they'd have the family boxes and everything like that. That's the kind of church this was. And uh, I got underneath the pew and I got a hold of the bottom of that pew. And my parents were pulling on me and they were trying to drag me out underneath that pew. And they finally gave up. They said, okay, he's not going up there, okay? So if you think that I come by this naturally, trust me, I don't, okay? And you say, well, I'm scared to talk for the Lord or I'm scared to talk to people. Listen, I understand. I understand. God had to change me, okay? And I'm still scared. I mean, I, I, here I am. I'm squeaking tonight, okay? But I'm, I'm still scared. You know, it's a, it's a, it's incredible thing that we do as a pastor comes up and stands behind the pulpit and tries to give the word of God, because you know we can, we can have a positive, encouraging effect on the people, or we can be in discouragement. We could even say things that might cause people to stray from the faith. It's not something that should be taken lightly. But you know what? God wants each one of us to share the gospel with others. And the, the, the most powerful thing you have, the most powerful thing you can tell people is what God has done for you. You don't have to be a theologian. Just tell people what God has done for you. And that's really some of what I'm doing tonight. In the, what I did last night, I'm sharing with you what God has done for me because I want to challenge you that God, the same God that's done this for me, and he, you, may, you may be remembering, and I, I know many of you are, you're remembering what God has done for you. And, you know, that's, I'm telling you, that is important for you to remember. Remember what God's done for you. Because God has done so much. And so tonight, as we go through this, I want you to think about this. We start in faith. Last night, we talked about the answer of faith. 
we started on a journey. And I told you that I'd share more about what God has done in our lives and where we are and why we're there. But, you know, when we started out, you remember last time I told you about how I was called into the, to the, onto the mission field. I was there in Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, and God called me uh, through his word. And we, I looked at that last night and just how God called me to go to the mission field through Isaiah chapter 6. Well, you know, after I, after I answered that call, and I trusted, I went forward in faith. You know, I didn't know what God was going to do. And I just said, Lord, here am I. Take me and use me however you want. Now, you know, a lot of times we get to that point, And the next thing we do is we say, okay, we said, God, use me however I want. And then what we do is we turn around and then we want to take back control. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? We want to take back control. And, uh, and, and even we do it even thinking that we're doing the right thing. We, we think we're doing the right thing because we, like I said, I grew up in church. I knew all the right things to do. And, uh, and so, you know, I went to my pastor that Sunday morning and I told my pastor, I said, pastor, God's called me to go to the mission field. I'm not going to reenlist in the Marine Corps. And he said, you know, that's great. He's already gone on to heaven. I was able to visit with his widow and I wish, I wish he was still alive so I could share with him what God's done. But uh, Brother Bolin was a great, we used to visit together and he was a great friend and I just appreciate the Lord for him. But uh, he, he was excited. He said, well, you know what? You need to go preach. Okay. You need, you're going to be a missionary. You need to go preach. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go preach. What do, you, what do you mean, Pastor Bolin? You know, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, so he scheduled me. He scheduled me like the next week to preach at Hukilau Baptist Church because the, the missionary, it was a mission work that they were trying to establish a church outside of Schofield Barracks there in Hawaii. And uh, he said, I want you to go up and preach at Hukilau because the missionary's back on, back on furlough and they need someone to preach. And, and so he scheduled me to go to Hukilau Baptist Church. Well, you know, I went up there the next Sunday and, you know, my message, and you're going to wish that I still preach this short, okay? My message lasted for about five minutes, okay? It was about five minutes long. And at the end of it, at the end of it, they're all looking at me, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, well, that's all, folks. And I, <laughs> I don't suggest you get your inspiration from, you know, cartoons or whatever, but, but you know, I was like, okay, that's all, folks. I'm, uh, I'm done. And I, they gave me a love offering, and I was so embarrassed. You know, I was just like, you know, I didn't even really preach. You know what I mean? And uh, I never cashed the check, okay? <laughs> because I just, I just felt like, I was like, you know, I really don't think they deserved that, you know? But uh, that Monday, I went to my commanding officer, and I told my commanding officer, who's a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps, I really didn't know him that well. Uh, he had just gotten in the squadron. And I told my lieutenant colonel, I said, sir, God has called me to the mission field. And he said, well, if God's called you to the mission field, then Staff Sergeant Norton, you need to go to the mission field. And God just kind of confirmed the things that he was doing. But then what did I do? I said, I said, okay, God, and then I, what I need to do is I need to go to Bible college. And so I, I still had a year left in the Marine Corps and I enrolled in a Bible college. And uh, so I was enrolled. And I was scheduled to go. And I, I went to my commanding officer. I said, sir, can I have an early out? And he said, there's no way we can give you an early out. He said, uh, you know, we're too shorthanded. And they were. And they said, you know, we can't give you an early out. And so I said, okay. So I, I resided to that. And I canceled my, my uh, registration. And I registered for the fall, okay, after I was supposed to be out. And um, about three months later, I got, I got incredibly sick. I mean, sicker than I've ever been. And I was down. Now, you can imagine me. I'm not a big guy to start. Well, I don't know. I'm getting bigger now. You know, you get old and you start getting a little bit bigger, okay? But, uh, you know, uh, 
at the time, I was about 155 pounds. I was pretty skinny when I was young. My son right there is like the picture of me, my youngest son. And um, I was about 155 pounds. I went down to about 120 pounds, you know, almost six feet tall. So I was, I was scrawny. And, uh, and they di- anyway, I, I, the doctors and everything, it took them months to figure out what was going on. And, and they, they decided I had uh, ulcerative colitis. And uh, they, they, they decided they were going to medical. They asked me, are you going to stay in? Are you going to get out? And I said, well, I've already decided to get out. And so they medical boarded me. And uh, so the, in the military, they put you on a medical board, and they won't release you until you go through this whole procedure where they evaluate you and different things like that. And, uh, you know, I was really just expecting them to give me, like, you know, 10% and uh, kick me out the door. You know, that would give me, like, you know, the potential to have some help from the VA if I had serious problems with with my uh, condition later on in life. Well, you know, the days went on and they went on and they went on. And everything, I, you know, I enrolled, and guess what? The enrollment date came by and I couldn't, I couldn't go because I wasn't out of the Marine Corps because now it had passed my end-of-service contract and I couldn't get out. And I, I was frustrated. I went to the doctor and I said, Doctor, I want you to release me. Take me off the medical board and let me out of the Marine Corps. He looked at me and said, There is no way that I am going to put my name. I already put my name out and said, you need to be medical board. I am not letting you out of the Marine Corps until, you know, he was kind of upset at me, to be honest with you, okay? I went back to my pastor, and I said, Pastor, I really want to get out of the Marine Corps, but they won't let me go. And, you know, he said, there was a man, his name was Sammy Popwell. He was an old Marine warrant officer. He had been working in Puerto Rico in a military ministry there. And uh, he was there visiting my pastor at the time, and they were having, we were having some special meetings. And he came, he, my pastor said, I want you to talk to Sammy Popwell. And uh, he took me aside. And Sammy Popwell said to me, he said, you know, listen, God is doing this for a reason. Stop fighting against God. Just trust him. And so I, I, I took his advice and I stopped trying to do what I thought was the answer. And I said, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. And so a couple months later, I, I was out of the Marine Corps. You know, now... Now, you know, it was too late to go to Bible college. It was in March, and, you know, Bible college, you know, the semester was well gone and everything. And so I just said, okay, God, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to stay right here. So I stayed right there in Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, and I started working with my church, and I started applying for jobs, and uh, I said, I'm going to stay here until you show me what to do. So... I stayed there for about the next three or four months, helped the pastor, helped the church. I had a couple of good jobs that they wanted to hire me, but hiring freeze, hiring freeze, hiring freeze. And um, came down to right around the beginning, I think it was, it would have been right around uh, the end of June, first part of July. God, again, spoke to my heart through his word and said, okay, it's time to go. It's time to go back to the mainland. So I packed up my stuff. I got on the plane. I mean, it was this incredible. When I got on the plane, it was back before 9-11. The guy I was running a room from came and met me. You know, back then you used to be able to go to the gate. He actually came down to the gate with the hiring package in his hand from that company I'd been trying to get a job with. And, you know, it's just the Lord saying, you know what, don't worry about it. That's not what I want you to do. I, I mean, I never had any doubts about it. I got on that plane. I flew back. My brother-in-law and sister were state. He was in the army. He was stationed in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I got back. But you know what I did as soon as I got back? I got back and I was like, okay, good. Now we can go forward for God. And you know what I did? I took control again. And I said, you know what? I'm going to enroll at Crown Bible College. 
And my brother was, he was getting out of the Marine Corps and he was going to meet me there. And we're going to, my younger brother, and we're going to go to school together. You know what? I, I got back. I had two weeks before classes. I go up to Crown Bible College. I'm, I'm trying to find a place to live. I'm trying to find a job. My brother at the last minute said, Daniel, this isn't where God wants me. He took off and left me all alone. And I was like, you know, I, I was older, so I wasn't like I could be in the dorms or anything. And I, I had to find my own place. I couldn't find anything. I got down to the Friday night before classes were, so they're going to start on Monday. Friday night, I went up to there, and I went to, some of you guys that are from there would know what I'm talking about, Fountain City. In Fountain City, which that's, that's the rough part of town, okay? It's a bad part of town. I got in Fountain City, and I found this, this room. It was in the front, it was like a front room of a house, like a, a parlor. It would have been in the old days, it would have been a parlor. It smelled all dank. That's a good, you know, New England term. It was awful, you know, and, uh, and it, it was really bad. I mean, it was like in a drug neighborhood. And uh, I put a $25 deposit down because that's all I could afford. I mean, I just didn't have a lot of money. You know, I kind of was trying to, I'd saved money, but I only had X amount of money and I didn't have a job. And so I was trying to be really frugal. And I said, God, if this is what, if you want me to go to Crown College, I'm willing to do this for you if this is what you want to do. I drove back down towards Chattanooga. I'm driving down there and God's just like, ain't what I want you to do, God, Daniel. I shouldn't use ain't. It wasn't what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I drove back. So by the time I got back to Chattanooga, I knew, I already knew that I, that wasn't what God wanted me to do. That wasn't where he wanted me. But I didn't know what to do. I got back to Chattanooga. My brother-in-law comes up to me. He says, Daniel, I just got orders to Saudi Arabia. I unaccompanied for a year. I want to ask you to stay with your sister and the three children. They had three children at the time. Would you stay with the, your sister and the three children and just help them out and take care of them while I'm gone? And so God already, listen, God already had it all figured out. But it, the key I'm trying to bring across here is it wasn't my way. It was God's way. It wasn't how I was going to do it. It was how God was going to do it. See, we start off in faith. We answer in faith. And can I tell you, we work in faith. Okay? We're going to go forward trusting God in faith. And as a result of that, I ended up going to school. And I, I, I know last night I told you that everybody wanted me to be a science teacher and a math teacher. I'll be honest with you, by that point, I was so, I was kind of, honestly, I was a little bit discouraged by that point. You know, because everything that I thought was going to take me to the mission field, God had just, I mean, he had just blown apart every plan I had. And so my brother-in-law said, well, why don't you think about going down to Tennessee Temple? And I'm not trying to bash any school or anything, but, you know, Tennessee Temple was struggling at the time. And wasn't doing real well. It doesn't even exist today, okay? And, uh, you know, I, I really had never even thought about going there. And, and I, I went down, and, and I, I ended up enrolling. But you know what I enrolled as? As a math and science teacher. Actually, I enrolled as a science teacher. And uh, I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll just do this. And you know what? God, God came in, and he, I told the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't need to go to college. And I really didn't. I mean, I had, I had training. I could get a job. I mean, I had job offers. I mean, when I, those job offers I was telling you about, I mean, they were, they were good job offers, okay? I, had, I was an avionics man. I was an electrician. I worked in technology. I, I, it wasn't like I needed to go to school to be able to get work. And, but I said, I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'll go as long as you provide the means for me to go. I'm not going into debt. I'm not going to get a loan. I'm not going into debt to go to the university. If you'll provide... I'll work hard. I'm not talking about being lazy, but I said, if you'll provide, I'll go. But as soon as there isn't money to pay the bills 
and I've done my, I've done what I can do. I'm finished. And, uh, you know, God came in and because of that VA, now listen, they wouldn't normally give this to me going to a Christian school, but the VA, because I was retired, I, I forgot to tell you, I was retired medically. Okay. Which is one of the reasons why God, I, I have an open door in the military ministry. So I, I don't get a lot of pension, but I do have medical and I have base privileges. But uh, they, uh, they, they came alongside and they said, you know what, because you're re- medically retired, we'll give you what's called voc rehab. And I think I told you about that last night that, uh, you know, when they, I did all those tests, they were like, you know what, I, mean, I, I get a little bit confused because I don't know what I shared with you last night. But, you know, they came in and, they, and so they paid for everything. And God took care of it. And so I went forward. And by the time I, I really enjoyed science, and I was kind of like, you know what, God, I can do this. You know, this is something I like. You know, maybe, maybe you don't want, maybe I missed it about that missions thing, okay? Maybe this is what you want me to do. You know, I, I, I could be a scientist. I could be a geologist. I could go out there and detonate bombs, you know, and, and find oil and gas. I can do this, okay? This is something exciting. You know, and I, you understand what I'm saying, but you don't understand what I'm trying to say. It was what I could do. And I like doing it. I, I like this. But, you know, God, after my first year, I went to school my first semester, second semester. I went the whole summer long, and I was, I was, our, we started a Christian school at the church, Shenandoah Baptist Church, and I was teaching in the Christian school at the same time. And, uh, and, and God, you know, everything was going forward, and it seemed great. But then, you know, the problem was I was getting excited about what I wanted to do now. And God said, okay, Daniel, you got a hold of my heart again. And that God used Esther 4.14 for such a time as this. And he said, Daniel, I haven't, I haven't changed my mind. You're here for such a time as this. But it's going to be my way and not your way. Now, can I be honest with you? This is not an easy lesson to learn. It's a lesson that I have to learn again and again and again. I wish I could say, but I think all of us have this tendency we want to get in control. And a life of faith is not a life of sight. It's a life of trusting in God's word. And that is the words of wisdom that an old preacher gave me. It's from the Bible. But I'd never thought about it quite that way. It's an old preacher. He's 80-something years old now. I was with him just a few weeks ago. The life we live is not one of sight. It's of trusting God's word. I want you to look at John chapter 4. I want to talk to you about the work of faith. The work of faith. John chapter 4, and I'm going to read just the first seven verses. This is a very familiar passage to all of us that have been saved for any length of time. It's about the Samaritan woman. But let's start in verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of the Samaritans, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground, that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, 
set thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for the great day you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I, I, I thank you for the, the fellowship that we've had with these people here, Lord. Lord, it's an encouragement. Lord, they don't understand really how much of an encouragement it is to my family and I to be here at this time. Lord, as we travel around and you stir our hearts, Lord, as we meet the people who are praying for us, who, who are calling our name out, Lord, who are sacrificing for us to be where we're at, Lord, Lord, it challenges us, Lord, and it encourages us to go forward for you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to them. Help them to know and know that you are working and that you are changing lives. And Lord, that you are working a great work through their lives, Lord. Lord, I pray that they would trust you more. And Lord, that they would go forward for you. And I pray that each and every one of us would. In your name, amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I know that we can go on and we can talk about the Samaritan woman. But that's not really what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you specifically about Jesus himself. Now, you know, a lot of times we think of Jesus, and I understand, listen, Jesus is completely God, but can you understand that he's also completely man? Do you realize that Jesus is just as much a man as each one of us? He had to be. Do you understand that only a man could die for man? He, to be the substitute for us, to be the sacrifice for us, he could not be an angel. He could not be God. He had to be man. Because it's man who earned the penalty of sin. And it had to be a man who paid that penalty of sin. And so the reason I'm stressing that is, and this is important, and listen, the Bible stresses this, okay? The Bible says, listen, if someone will not profess that Jesus has come in the flesh indeed, then they're a cult. They're, they're not someone you need to be listening to, okay? It's important to understand that he's both completely man, 100% man. He's also 100% God. Can I understand all that? No. Okay, listen, that's part of faith, okay? That's part of our faith and trust in God. There's no way I can explain that. I can't understand that. I can't comprehend it. But yet I know it's true because the Word of God tells us it's true. But the reason I want to stress that is that we, a lot of times, we think about Christ and we think, well, you know, He was God. He knew everything, okay? But yet the Bible says He humbled Himself and took upon flesh, and he became a servant. Listen, do you understand? I Here again, I don't understand how Jesus Christ did this, but he humbled himself and became a man so that he could be tempted as we are tempted, so that he could walk like we walk, so that he could understand us, so that he could, be, he could, he could feel our infirmities, so that he could be our high priest, and he could go forward. Listen, I don't understand all that, but what I do know is it's true because that's what the Bible says. Okay, and and so as we look at Jesus, we need to understand that he's our example. He's showing us the things. And, you know, how many times do you hear Jesus saying, I have to do the will of who? The father. Do you do you hear what he's saying? You know, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's he's praying, you remember what he said? He said, Father, if you could take this away, you know, if you could if you, you could remove this cup, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. 
I mean, have you ever thought about that? In other words, his human part, you know, he, his human part, he understood what he was going to suffer. He understood the penalty that he was going to take upon himself. Listen, it wasn't easy, any easier for his human part to do what he did than it would be for us. And, and we need to understand that he understands us. He understands us. And so as we look at him and we think about this, the, the walk or the, the work of faith in our lives, we've answered, we've answered in faith and now we're going forward in faith and we've got to work by faith. And I want you to see the first thing that we see here about Jesus is I want you to see that he must needs go. He must needs go. Listen, you know, just like Isaiah was called, right? He, God said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And what did Isaiah do? He said, here am I, Lord, send me. Listen, you know what? God is calling to each one of us to do a work for him. And you know what? Guess what? Jesus, God was calling upon Jesus to do a work for him. And Jesus must, needs, go. And what did he do? He said, here am I. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit more uh, about what he about what he did as he went. Okay, as he went. And by the way, if you think about the last command that Jesus gave us before he departed this earth, what was it? Go. Go. You know what? We must needs go. And so we look at this, but I want you to think about what Jesus did. You understand that when Jesus went, he didn't go the way everybody else thought he should go. He didn't do exactly what everybody else thought he should do. He didn't do what the religious crowd thought he should do. He didn't do what the world thought he should do. They, he, listen, nobody liked Jesus. And you know why? Because he wasn't doing anything that they wanted him to do. But he must needs go. And, and the first thing you see in this example that we look at is he went the wrong way. He went the wrong way according to the world, according to the religious crowd. If, if you, many of you may realize that when Jesus went to Galilee, the normal accepted path to go to Galilee was for them to go from Jerusalem down, d- down to Jericho, across the River Jordan, and then march up the east side of the Jordan River, and then come back across the Jordan River up near the Sea of Galilee and go into, Gal- into, into Galilee. And the reason for that was because there was this group of people called the Samaritans. And listen, the Samaritans, they were worse than the Gentiles, according to the Jews, according to the religious crowd of his day. Hey, they were people, they were worthless, they were half-breeds, they considered them, and they were just worse, I mean, they were worse, the worst kind of people you could ever imagine. I mean, they didn't want anything to do with it. That's why when you read the story of the Good Samaritan, you understand what's taking place there, that it was not all the people who should have been taking care of that person. It was the person they despised that took care of them. Listen, Jesus went the wrong way. He didn't go the accepted way. He didn't go the way that everybody else was telling him to. And can I tell you, as we as we work the work of faith, can I tell you, it's not going to be how everybody else wants us to do it. It's going to be the way God wants us to do it. It's going to be how God directs us. Now, I'm not talking about doing something weird or something like that. I'm talking about following the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll just follow the Word of God, you'll be weird, okay? Listen, because that's not the accepted norm. Listen, do you think the religious crowd of that day, do you think they were, going, they were following the Word of God? No. I mean, they had the Word of God, and they claimed they were following the Word of God, but they weren't following the Word of God. And Jesus comes and what did he do? He says he fulfilled, he fulfilled 
the law. He fulfilled the commands that God had given. Listen, he walked a sinless, perfect life. Okay, He didn't go the right way. He didn't go the accepted way. But guess what? It was the right way under God and under the Holy Spirit's direction. It was the right way to walk in faith towards God. Listen, God wants us to go. And he wants us to share the gospel with those around us. He has given us a call. He has given us a command. And we first need to answer in faith. And then we need to work in faith. But not through some method, not through some you know plan, but through God in faith. Let God direct us. Let God show us the way. You know, what am I talking about? Can I just share with you a couple examples here? Listen, you know, there's a lot of, I, I went in the city of Trieste. The city of Trieste is right next to where we are, where, where we're living. We live in Savinia. Okay. And I, I'm not here to bash people. I'm, just, I'm trying to share with you what I'm talking about. Okay. About going and doing what God has commanded us to do. Follow God, not man. And, uh, you know, in the city of Trieste, it's in Italy and we're in Savinia. Now, there's a lot of people, and you'd be shocked, and you might be surprised, but believe it or not, there was a, there was a person that accepted the Lord there, and uh, we had contact with that person, and uh, we were asked to go down there and help them. And so we went down there to help them, and you know, there was a lot of people that said, you know what, you shouldn't be going down to Trieste. You shouldn't be going down to Trieste. Well, I was like, why shouldn't we be going to Trieste? And they're like, because you're in Savinia. And you're a missionary in Savinia. And you need to be in Savinia. You shouldn't be trying to help that person. Okay? They're in Trieste. They're in Italy. There has to be someone else to go and help them. Now, you may think that I'm being mean, but I'm just being honest. Okay? And I was told that by a number of people. But you know what? God said, go to Trieste and help this man. Go to Trieste and help this family. Listen, it's not about what everybody thinks is the accepted way. It's about following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, there's places that I've been. I, I talked to your pastor about Miro. Miro's a, a man that I met out door knocking uh, in, a, in a remote village in Savinia. I mean, as far as remote in Savinia goes, which it's a, it's a scattered village. I had to walk over three miles to knock on seven houses. Okay? It took a long time. Now, a lot of people would say, you know what? That's not worth going out there and trying to reach people. Okay, you need to be in the big city. I was told that too. You need to go to the big city and you need to reach in the big city. And that's where, you know, if you reach people in the big city, that's where. But listen, God didn't tell me to go to the big city. God told me to go to Postona and I went there and I went in faith because that's where God told me to go. That's where God told me to go. And you know what? If God sent me there, then God told me to go and he laid on my heart to go to this little village up in the mountains and I met Miro. Now, I wish I could tell you that Miro has accepted the Lord, but praise God, he's hearing the gospel and I met him out there knocking on that door. He's the only person in all the years that we've been there door knocking. He's the only person that has been a visible opportunity to share the gospel directly with you door knocking. And I've passed out thousands and thousands and thousands of John and Romans and tracks and talk to people, but he's the only person that I have a viable contact through just door knocking that I still have a contact. There was one other man early on, but he, he disappeared and I never saw him again. But can I tell you what I'm trying to get across to you is there's no wrong way if God is leading you. If God is leading you, and when I say leading you, I want to be careful. It's through his word. Okay? 
I'm not talking about going off and doing something crazy. I'm talking about following God's word, trusting God by faith and going the wrong way. But it's the right way. We must needs go. Jesus told us we must needs go. But not only that, I want you to see that Jesus, think about this. As Jesus went, can I tell you, he went to the wrong person. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I know people talk about this, but listen, he went to the wrong person. He went the wrong way. He went to the wrong person. Listen, this woman, okay, do you under, I mean, you need to, you guys live, Barter's Ferry's getting bigger, okay? But, and I know a lot of you didn't, you've moved here, but you know it's a fairly small town, okay? And when you live in a small town, do you know if you get a bad reputation, boy, it sticks with you the rest of your life, okay? I don't care how good you are after you still have, they still remember whatever you did to give yourself a bad reputation, okay? And this woman had a bad reputation. Do you realize even the unsaved world doesn't like people like this woman, okay? I mean, she had been married five, I mean, you got to think about it, a small town. She's been married five times. She's shacked up. I'm just being blunt. She's shacked up with a guy that she's not even married to, okay? She is not a popular person, okay? I mean, the women of that town did not like her, and the truth is a lot of the men didn't like her, okay? For one thing, she had, you know, five exes in in the town, okay? So this is not, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest, okay, who this person is. He, she was not popular. She was the wrong person, okay? She's not the kind of person that is going to be, you know, in our eyes, in the eyes of man, she's not a viable witness and she's not the kind of person that Jesus should be associated. Do you realize that Jesus was at the well by himself with her? And I'm saying we should be careful. But listen, she was the wrong person for Jesus to be witnessing to. She was in a lot of people's eyes. She wasn't the person. She wasn't an ideal candidate. Listen, God has called us to go to all people. Not just the convenient, not just the easy, not just the clean cut, not just the, you know, listen, it's a little bit easier to talk to people that are like us, right? It is. I mean, honestly, let's just be honest with ourselves. It's easier to talk to people that are like us. But do you know what? God wants us to go to everyone. You know, yes, he wants you to go and see that person that looks strange, okay? And there's a lot of strange people running around, okay? You know, I come back to America and I'm like, wow, okay, what is going on, okay? But you know what? God wants us to share the word of God with those people. Listen, we do not know. Do you realize that Jesus Christ, he knew that she would be there. But you know this? You say, well, how am I going to reach this person? Do you know that God, his Holy Spirit, lives inside of you? Do you know what? He knows where they are. And he knows who that person is that he wants you to reach. He, he knows exactly where they are. And you know what? Just like Jesus knew that he must needs go through Samaria because he was going to meet a woman at a well, do you know that G, the Holy Spirit can take us? And if we'll follow him, if we'll work, have that work of faith, that we'll, the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us to that person that he wants us to speak to. You know, in, my own, in our own uh, work here, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Europe, I mean, Europe, I'll be honest with you, Europe is, is not, it's not a popular destination for missionaries, okay? I'm just going to be blunt with you, okay? And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just telling you there's a lot of missionaries work for years and years and years and years in Europe, and they have one or two people, okay? You know, I, I come here tonight, and listen, I, I, I love what God is doing here. 
I love to see. I mean, you guys have got you guys have got talent flowing out your ears. I mean, all the musical instruments and stuff, the the music, the song service, the preaching, everything. I, I mean, you have a wonderful church. There are so many people in Europe, and I know I shared this last night, but there are so many people in Europe that wish, they wish they had a place like this. They wish they had a group of people like this to meet with. And, you know, a lot of people say it isn't worth it. There's a lot, it's expensive to go to Europe. It's expensive. But do you know what? They're not, a lot of people say they're the wrong people. But you know what? They're people that Jesus died for. They're people that love. Jesus loves. You know, some people may say, hey, it's tough and Bonner's Ferry. Can I tell you? God wants the people of Bonner's Ferry reach with the gospel. Uh, there was a little girl named Anara. And I, I, Anara uh, is, is one of the, we went to Kyrgyzstan. Uh, your pastor mentioned that we were in Kyrgyzstan. It's in the middle of nowhere. We went there and we worked in an orphanage ministry. And while we were there, uh, when we got ready to leave, God took us out of, and I may share with you a little bit about that in a few minutes, but we we had to leave Kyrgyzstan, and um, when we left, it was hard. It was hard. We loved those children. We were, you know, you can't help but love children, okay? You know, they're innocent, they're precious, and you want to help them to grow and to see them go forward for God. You know, it's my desire. Now, I know that God has to change them. You've got to, you know, you can only do so much. You can't make them. They have to make a decision for the Lord. But Anara was about seven years old. They called her, when we left, she, we called her the little monster. The little monster, okay. And uh, she, was, she, was, she was completely Kyrgyz. She was a little short girl, kind of a little bit stout when I, when I was there. And she was just, you know, she was like a bowl in the china closet. And um, a couple weeks ago, it had actually been over a couple months, uh, actually about a month ago, maybe a month and a half, we were talking to one of the young ladies that keeps in touch with us. And uh, Anara was there, and Anara wanted to talk to us. And they put Anara on the phone. And uh, she's all grown up now. And uh, I talked to Anara, and I said, Anara, I said, Anara, you're all grown up, aren't you? And Anara said, she said, Brother Daniel, I'm all grown up. I'm, I'm tall, I'm smart, and I'm beautiful. <laughs> she doesn't lack any confidence, okay? <laughs> If you knew her sister, you'd know. <laughs> They're sweet. They're sweet people, okay? But she said, I said, well, that's great, Inara. I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, and we talked for a little while, and then we got ready to hang up. And Inara said to me, she said, Brother Daniel, I, I want to ask you, do you remember, do you remember that, you, you know, when you were still, when you, just before you left, you you took me and, and uh, Karina was another young lady there, and I used her to translate because Anara at the time didn't know any English. She speaks perfect English now. And uh, she, uh, she, uh, she had raised her hands. We had had a service, and, and she was asking questions, and she wanted to talk to me after the service. And I took her and one of the other young ladies who spoke real good English and real good Slovenian because, I mean, Russian, because I wanted to make sure she understood what I said. And I took her back, and and try to and shared with her about what Jesus had done for her. And to be honest with you, she just didn't understand. It, you know, God had not brought her to that point. And I'm really careful with children. I want them to make that decision themselves, okay? Because I'll tell you, a decision a child makes and they make it, it'll last a lifetime. If you, if you get them to say something, you press them to say something, 
it won't last, okay? It's not salvation. Salvation is when they trust Christ. And so I'm really careful about that. And she told me, Daniel, she told me, Brother Daniel, I, I, didn't, I didn't accept Jesus that day. And I said, yes, I remember. She said, but you know what? She said, I did accept Jesus later, and I just want to say thank you. Listen, there's no wrong people to reach. A little snotty nose, and I can say that, monster God can save. Listen, God's not asking us to go out there and try to find find someone that we think is going to be a success. He's asking us just to go to the people he sends us to. The work of faith. The work of faith is not going to be going our way. The work of faith is not going to be going to the people we think. It's going to the wrong way. It's going to the wrong person. But the final thing I want to share with you, and I'll try to close this up quickly, he went at the wrong time. He went at the wrong time. You know, Jesus went at the wrong time. It wasn't the time. Hey, listen, it was high noon. And I know in America we work like dogs, okay? So we work all day and we work all night. I, 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 you know, we're just crazy. We're, you know, they always said, you ever heard that saying? The Indians always said that only mad dogs and English men work in the noonday sun. Have you ever heard that saying? Okay, and that's how we are as Americans, okay? We just, we work all the time, so we may not understand this. But, you know, in Italy where we've been working. Listen, I understand a little bit more about what they're saying, uh, what's going on here. Because, you know, in the, in the East and over in those countries, when it gets high noon, guess what they do? They, they, they knock off work, okay? In Italy, man, after 12 o'clock, you're getting nothing done until 3 o'clock, okay? And don't you dare make a peep, and don't you dare get up and run down the street, okay? You better be quiet. Your kids better be quiet, especially in the older, smaller towns. It's still like that. And so you understand that they were there at noon, okay? They were there in the middle of the day. It was the wrong time. Listen, it was the wrong time to have a big evangelistic meeting. It was the wrong time to have a big crowd. It was the wrong time to see some great thing from Jesus. It was the wrong time to have a healing service. It was the wrong, you, you follow what I'm saying. It was the wrong time. But it was the right time because God was leading the Lord Jesus Christ, to that place at that time to reach the wrong person, the wrong way, at the wrong time. Can I tell you there's no wrong time if we're following Christ, if we're letting the Spirit of God move us and we're working by faith. Listen, there's no wrong time. God will put us in the right place at the wrong time, but at the right time. You know, I think this is one of our biggest failings and it's my failing and it's, it's, I think it's all of our failings. We're just too busy. We're just too busy to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're too busy to do the work of faith. We're too busy to let God move us and show us what he want, the people he wants us to reach. I've tried and I've been asking God to help me to take time to let him speak to me. And guide me to the people that he wants me to reach. I was, as part of that, when I came back, we came back and we, you know, a lot of times we think, I'm not against church evangelism. I'm not against church-wide visitation, okay? I think that's good. But listen, our most effective witness many times is not at church visitation. It's in our day-to-day life as we're going through life. But we've got to take time. We got to take time to speak to people. Uh, I came back and I was in Kentucky, and while I was in Kentucky, I was with my brother-in-law. Now I like to run. Now I'm not supposed to run. 
and I haven't run for a couple of days, so I've been good, okay? But I like to run. I had back surgery a year and a half ago, and I'm not supposed to be running, but I love to run. My wife is mad at me, okay? So I'm just being honest. I'm, I don't really run. I shuffle, okay? I can't go very fast anymore. But uh, I kind of hurt my back the other day riding in a small car. Please don't ask me to ride in your small car. I can't handle it anymore, okay? I need a big high seat, okay? But uh, but I, I do like to I do like to go out and shuffle. And uh, I've met so many people out walking and running. And uh, I, I had taken some time in the morning. I was there at my brother-in-law's, and I went out for a run. And down the street there, there was a road. And I went down the road. It goes to a landing down by the lake, and I... I was going down through there, and there was a man pulled off to the side, and he was shoveling gravel. He was shoveling gravel out of this. Well, he, I'm sorry. He wasn't shoveling gravel. He had a little pickup truck with a dump bed on it. had some gravel in it. And I went by, and he had just pulled in the driveway, and I was waving at him, and I just said, hello, how are you doing? Listen, great way. Just, just be friendly, okay? Start with that. Uh, you don't know what God will open up. And I, I was waving at him, and I went down. I, I continued my run down the road there. I went a mile or so down the road, and, and then I came back. And, uh, okay, I went farther than I should have, okay? But anyway, I came back. My wife's giving me the ugly look, okay? <laughs> and I came back. I came back, and he was there, and he was shoveling. He had that dump bed up, and he was shoveling out of the truck. Now, I thought he'd just dump the gravel and go. But he was shoveling the gravel out of the truck, and, and God said, Daniel, just go over there and try to speak to him. Now, listen, can I tell you something? The worst thing you can ever do is if someone's working, go over there and try to carry on. So, so I went over there, and I said, I said, can I help you? Okay, that's a good way to you know, start the conversation. And I said, you got a shovel? And he's, at first he was like, yeah, I got a shovel. And then he was like, then he thought about it. He's like, no, no, you can't help me. No, you can't do that. I said, yeah, just give me a shovel. You got some gloves or something? He had some gloves and he had a shovel. I got a shovel and I got some gloves and I started shoveling gravel with him. And, you know, that, that opened an opportunity to be able to start talking to him. You know what I started telling him about? He asked me why I was there. And so I started saying, I told him I was there with my brother-in-law and I started sharing with him. And I started sharing with him my salvation testimony. Just telling him about what Jesus had done for me. You know, that's what this lady does. The, the lady of Samaria at that well. She gets saved. She accepts Christ's witness. And guess what she does? She goes into town and says, come see the man that told me everything I ever did. She didn't have a big fancy message. She just had a simple one. And, um, and, you know, he began to, after I shared my salvation testimony with him, he started sharing with me about how he had accepted the Lord. You said, Brother Daniel, he wasn't unsaving. No, but God told me to stop and talk to him. He started sharing with me about how he had accepted the Lord. And he went to a local church there. And then after we, we were shoveling all that gravel, we got it all out. And he, he said to me, he, he was thanking me for stopping. He said, you know what? I'm really concerned about my daughter. My daughter, Hannah, she's, she's gone off to university and she isn't living for the Lord. And she's, I don't even know if she's accepted Christ as her Savior. She's just, it doesn't show in her life. And he said, could you pray for my daughter, Hannah? And so I've been praying for Hannah. Listen, you don't know what God could do through, through you in the work of faith. If you'll just work by faith, asking him to guide you each and every step of the way, instead of doing it your way, doing it the religious way, instead of going to the people that you want to go to, doing it in your time, instead saying, God, I've said in faith that I will serve you. God, help me to work for you by faith. God could use you to touch a life.
God could bring a soul to him. But you got to take time. You got to go to the people that God calls you to, even if they seem like they're the wrong person. And you've got to go where he asks you to go, even if it seems like it's the wrong way. The work of faith is not our work. It's God's work through us. And God wants each of us not only to start in faith, but to continue in faith, trusting him.